So this morning, as we find ourselves in Matthew chapter 12, I'm going to ask that you have patience with this pastor. And the reason why is sometimes when I study, there's a, I mean, there's plenty of notes. The issue is not notes. I can talk till well into next service. That's not the issue. You know that. So that's not the issue. Sometimes though, it's Lord, what, what do you want brought out exactly and I understand the I understand there's so many things going on in my heart, Lord. Which one comes first and which one comes second? And how does the first one dovetail into the second, into the third? And how do all the points have the same letter and they all match and they all... And God's uh, this one very clearly on this message, the Lord just said, I'm going to show you as you speak it. So just go up there and start talking. Okay. So uh, the, the messages first and second service, they always aren't identical. If you've heard both of them, uh, you may notice that, wait, he didn't say the same thing at second than he did at first. Uh, they're, more, they're bigger sinners at second service, so I have to sometimes say, <laughs> you know what I'm going to say first service, second service, right? So, all right. Um, no, but honestly, really, it's, it's one of those things where when I share a message here, you need to understand this. It's the first time that I'm hearing it too. I'm not reading verbatim off of my notes. So we're all on this kind of journey here together and the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding, but I just would appreciate your prayers because this is a very important topic, very important topic here. And I know that some that are in the sound of my voice, both this service and next service, and then on the internet later in the future, this is a key area. Family is such a key area and they're even questioning whether they should bail on theirs. And so I think this message is important for lots of reasons, but if you would disagree with me in prayers, we begin and and let's do that. Papa, as we come before you this morning, we just thank you so much that you have drawn us here this morning. We also thank you that um, you know our needs and you know what we struggle with. You know intimately when we hear the word family, what happens within us. And God, I believe that you want to minister to every single one of us in that area of family. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would empower me to know the will of the Father, to speak the words that God would have me speak for myself and for the listener, that it would be a benefit and a blessing to all of us. I pray, Lord, that if we need to be convicted, that we would be convicted if we need to be encouraged, that we be encouraged. And Lord, if we need to be given hope, that we would hear your voice of hope. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. Thank you for being our helper. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the, um, if you've been to our Facebook page, that is the banner image of our Facebook page. It's a, it's a great uh, picture of the church family. This is 2015. And like everything just kind of clicked on that day. 2015, uh, we caught the sunset. Like that wasn't photoshopped in. Like we actually, was actually setting. Hakeem was leading worship there. And there's like Leslie and Brian and others. Glenn's there. I can see uh, Glenn's silhouette. I can see Charles's silhouette. <laughs> You got Charles, I can see Charles right there too. You know, it's just, uh, I think that's Ansel over there on that side. And, you know, it's just like, it just makes me smile every time I look. Because just from a silhouette, I know these people. I know these people. It's family. That's just a family gathering. That's the church, by the way. That is the church. The church is a building. No, the church is not a building. The building is a building. The church are the people. And on this day, the church met and worshiped the Lord 
as the sun was setting on our beautiful coast. You know, I, I would, one of the things that really blesses me as a pastor are the times where I don't have to worry about things running because I know that the church family is taking care of it. I don't worry about um, Pastor Joe starting off the service, the announcements, how he's going to say something and then he's going to say, well, Jim's listening right now. And, uh, you know, he's, uh, he probably can hear everything we're saying right now. It's like, hi, I do, I, I do hear you, Joe. I absolutely do. And I love it. I love it when I come to a potluck and the food's already been prayed for. I love it when I notice somebody that's sitting by themselves and as I'm starting to walk in that direction, the family's already taken care of it. Because that's how it's supposed to be. It's such a blessing to me. When I go on vacation or if I leave, you know, on a, um, a trip, there's a conference next Sunday, so I won't be here next Sunday. Don't you dare not show up to church because I'm not here next Sunday. Um, John's going to be sharing the word. Next Sunday, there's going to be communion. It's going to be an absolute blessing. You know what so blesses me? I don't, have, I don't worry about the church when I'm not here. Why? Because there are those that have been entrusted with the care and the love of the ministry. And I know that also the church family, you guys care for each other. It's such a blessing. I really love that picture. I really love that picture. I really love, you know, your bulletin's got another perspective of that day. And, and I, I, didn't, I wasn't leading worship. I wasn't sharing out of God's word. You know what I got to do that day? I got to stand about 200 feet away and take photos. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. It's a blessing to just go, and just God and I were having conversations. As, as I'm taking these photos, or just walking around, I'm just like, look at it. God, your church, it's working. It's not broken. It works. Because Jesus is in charge of it. And he's continually in charge of it. If we'll allow him to be. If we'll not try to wrestle control from him. And so the title of this morning's message, we'll jump right into it. The family you're stuck with. The family you're stuck with. I really thought about different titles. I thought about how about like family ties or all in the family or um but then i'm like you know the the i just talked about a bunch of different things and then this phrase the family you're stuck with and i was like yeah people may get offended by that and i was like no i think that actually fits right i think that's the one and so let's look at matthew chapter 12 let's look at matthew 12 verse 46 through 50 and jesus is going to talk about family and he has been in the midst of um, speaking to the opposition. Opposition would come against him and Jesus would just speak about it, that he was using the power of Satan to do these miracles. You know, that it, you know what is the Sabbath? When should we rest? What is considered work? All of these things are being said and Jesus is handling them well. But Jesus then, as he's teaching, I mean, it's one thing if I'm teaching and there's an interruption. Could you imagine if Jesus is teaching and all of a sudden, like somebody's cell phone goes off and everybody's like, dude, Jesus is teaching right now. Well, Jesus kind of has the cell phone go off. And wouldn't you know it, family's on the line. Matthew 12, verse 46. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. His mothers and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. Uh, let's look at verse 48. But he replied to the man who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, 
Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Wow. Wow. I remember the first time that I had heard that. I'm like, ouch, Jesus. It's your family. Like, it's your family. What are you doing right now? For all of a sudden, you know, again, very naive when I'd first heard and didn't know very much about the Bible, but this idea of like, I, I got this picture of Jesus going, oh, my mom, my brothers. Not now, ma. Not now. Who are my mothers? Who are my brothers? Right here. You people are. Not them. You. I love you more than I love them. Like, I really took it because I was just going, what, what does it mean? What does all this mean? It can sure seem like Jesus is being short and uncaring with his waiting family, right? They're just waiting. Can't he make them a priority? Like, can't he just make the time to spend with his family? I want to show you this priority list. This priority list is really important for us to get right. You get this wrong and it causes chaos and everything else in life. Priority with the most important at the top, God. God being the highest priority of your life. That he affects, and the higher up on this list, the more it affects every other aspect of your life, including the things that come underneath it. So God being the number one priority affects everything underneath it. <clears throat> underneath that, spouse and kids plus kids. But notice the order there. Spouse, then kids. I would have stacked it, but then we would have run out of some room on the screen or the words would have gotten smaller. But spouse and then kids. So if you're married, your spouse is the human being of greatest priority in your life. Everything else underneath is of lesser priority. Doesn't mean you don't love the people underneath. It just means you got to get your priorities right. Kids. And then underneath that, parents. And extended family. Parents there and extended family. Parents very important in the order as well there. You know, we live in a society where parents are being warehoused away. As Pastor Joe would say, warehoused away to die, right? Shouldn't be that way. Shouldn't be that way. And so the Bible is very clear about how we should treat our parents and our family. Honoring your father and mother, uh, the first commandment with a blessing, that you honor your father and mother. The Bible clearly states, Old Testament and New Testament, that we are to honor our parents. So knowing that, and that the Bible is not contradicting itself, I can look at what Jesus is saying here and realizing that he's not dishonoring his mom or his brothers. There's something here that he must be saying. But as we look at this priority list, God, spouse and kids, parents and extended family, and then look at that. A very defined line and then everyone and everything else. Ministry, friends, hobbies, career, bucket list, add to that, whatever. Everything that's lower is subject to the things that are higher up on the list. Now, if the list isn't like this in your life, not by your speech, but by the reality of what your life looks like, then it's going to cause troubles. You know, this Wednesday, we've got our hot dog potluck, right? I'm not going to be there. Um, usually, I don't say when I'm not going to be at places because, sadly, people choose to come or not to come if the pastor comes or doesn't come. 
And sometimes the, the thought is, if it's not important enough for the pastor to show up, then I'm not going to show up. And while I don't disagree with a general understanding of that phrase, um, the pastor, his sons have their only basketball game on Wednesday night. It's their last one of the season. After it, there's going to be an award ceremony. And after that, there's going to be a parents versus kids basketball game. Mm. Um, all the other games have been on days not when we have church. And so I've gone to as many of those games that I've been able to make. And so the choice came, well, we can go through the Red Thread study this Wednesday night. And it won't be the end of the world if I don't show up to their basketball game. But you know what? As that priority list of things came up, I just thought, no, it's important for me to go to their game. And so I just want you to know, I told the Wednesday service this already, but I'm, the reason I'm not going to be there Wednesday, there's no deep, super like, you know, hard, like, what's the secret? What is he? There's no, I'm just choosing my family over coming and eating hot dogs with you guys and fellowshipping. It doesn't mean I don't love you guys. It's a priority. And so there's times you just got to make those kind of choices in your life. And so we know Jesus is not going to go against the word of God. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word is God, and it's God in the flesh. It's Jesus. So Jesus is not going to go against the word of God, which talks about honoring your father and mother. So that means Jesus must have something else going on here. I'm going to take you back in time to December of last year when we were looking at Matthew chapter 10, and Jesus had this to say about fathers and mothers and our love for them. And we talked about this in a message called, and I think we have the title of this message too. The title was called uh, First Place. Yeah, and you may remember this was back in Matthew chapter 10 and the message was called First Place. But this was part of the key verse from that study. It was Matthew 10, verse 37 through 39. Jesus speaking, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I'm not going to go into all the details of this passage because there's a whole study just on that text there. But some words that are really important I want you to to see in this, especially if you weren't here for the study. Whoever loves father and mother, now the next words are really important. More than. It's a priority thing Jesus is talking about. Jesus is not saying, do not love your father and mother. Do not love your sons and daughters. Do not love your grandchildren. He's saying, if you love them more than me, you got your priorities out of order. You got first place in the wrong place and it needs to get back in the right place. And so this is not, what we're seeing in Matthew 12 is not some shocking statement if we are really looking at Matthew and looking at all that Jesus has already said here. It's really building upon the same point. Jesus is not being harsh towards his earthly family but he's trying to illustrate this spiritual truth. I noticed this about um, families. The children in families, biological families, they resemble their parents. Sometimes they resemble their parents in a very striking way in the way that they look, and other times in a striking way with the phrases they use and how they act, their mannerisms, in fact. I'm going to show you some pictures with some resemblance here. Uh, here's our first picture of resemblance. Some of you, you know, we're going back a little ways in time here. But, you know, if you look at this, 1979, 
you know, some of you have already figured out that that super cute little baby there in the very front is my wife. That's Dawn. And, and Dawn's mom, Trisha, and her dad, Ron. And Trisha and Ron have come and visited here. And there have been times where you're like, some of you have been like, are you Dawn's sister? You know, kind of a thing. And it's this resemblance where kids can resemble their parents. And then kids grow up. I've got this other one here as well. Oh, look at those, like, you know, blonde hair, cute, super cute. And yet, can you see the mischievousness in my wife's eyes? Can you see it? <laughs> even at a young age, even at a, she's not here at the service, is she? No, she's at the front desk. Yes. Like I said, first and second services messages are different. No, no, no. You can see some re- resemblance in some of those kinds of pictures. Uh, a few years back, Actually, this is probably close to 10 years back. I was um, in my father's house in India. He wasn't living with my mom and hadn't been for, oh, probably a decade at that point. And I happened to go to his house and I started to look around and I saw this picture on the wall. And I, I'll show you this one. It's a resemblance one. I saw that picture and I was like, all right, minus the stash and the beard. I'm like, huh. And I don't, I mean, I've heard this and I'm realizing this more and more. Maybe those of you that are older can agree with me here, but you start to see your parents when you look in the mirror and you kind of look and you're like, whoa, whoa. (laughs) That's okay. Eventually the eyesight will go and everything just smooths out. Everything just looks super smooth. Everything's great. But I remember seeing that picture and I was just like, huh, I think I need to take a picture of this picture. To remember that my dad used to be my age and I am his son. And so that the things that were his strengths, I may have as some of my strengths and the things that are his weaknesses, I may have as some of his weaknesses too. And so I need to keep that in mind. And so I took that picture. If you've been here for years and years, you've seen this next picture of family resemblance, but some of you have just joined us in the last year. This is like the throwback family pic. And so there's my dad over there, got the big fro going on, and uh, my mom sitting to the uh, left of him, my little brother Jay in his lap, and there I am just wishing I wasn't here in that picture at that moment. <laughs> family, man, family. Some of those people in the family, you know, today, some of them are dead. Some of them have gone to be with Jesus. Grandma and grandpa, love them. Absolutely love them. They're both in the presence of the Lord. Grandpa would wake up early in the morning, open the doors of his, house, of his home, and he'd just start singing uh, one of the Psalms to the Lord. That's how he started out. He was a farmer. He had rubber trees, and he, had, um, he just he worked the land. He was just an awesome guy. Some of these family members, some of these siblings, they don't talk to each other today. They still hold grudges, grudges for decades, longer than I've been alive. Family, man, family. You know, in the way that you can have physical resemblance in family, spiritually too, you can resemble the one that you're following. For the children of God, they should resemble their heavenly father. For the children of God, we should, when people come to us or they see us, they should go, you know, are you Christian? Why would you say that? You just, uh, so I just saw resemblance. The way you spoke, the way you treat people, the way that you... There's something about you that reminds me of someone else. That should be said of believers. We should resemble our Heavenly Father. So, 
I want us to look again really closely because we do need to talk about this point as to why Jesus said some, why he didn't address his mom and his brothers that were out there. If you look again in Matthew chapter 12, verse 46, and I'm going to say something here, and some of you may not realize this, and verse 47, if you're using an ESV Bible, you probably don't have verse 47 in your Bible. Look carefully. You'll see if you have an ESV version, which is the version we use here at the church, you'll see that it goes from verse 46 to 48. What? If you have a New King James, King James, NASB, NIV, it, verse 47 is there. What does this mean? Okay, here's what this means. This means that the Bible, when it's translated, a translation is not a perfect copy of the original. Translation means something has changed. Some things get lost in translation, but then we need to realize that when things are either translated or written, because this is before Gutenberg and before the movable type and the printing press, these are all being copied by hand. And so... The number of original manuscripts that you have of the Bible, you have something close to 6,000 original manuscripts, which you may go, that's a low number. I mean, I can get, you know, printing press, you can make 100,000 copies. Yes, again, that's printing press. But for writings of this style, of this day and age, in this era, 6,000 is by far the largest number of manuscripts for any ancient writing. So the Bible, just by its original text, the original ones that it came from, has more original manuscripts than other writings from ancient writers. So why, Jim, then in the ESV, do we not have verse 47 here? The, 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 probably the best answer is that it was a clerical error. That in one of the early manuscripts, a cleric was copying and writing. And if you have verse 47, 46 and 47 in your Bible, you will notice how similar they are. I'm going to put them on the screen here. This is the New King James Version. And here's what it says. This is verse 46. While he was still speaking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brothers stood outside seeking to speak with him. Verse 47. Then one said to him, look, your mothers and brother are standing. Your mother and brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. Do you see how similar verse 46 and 47 is? So the the thought here is that one of the scribes as he was copying this over jumped from verse 46 to verse 48, not realizing that 47 was its own unique verse because it is so close to verse 46. This just shows you that God has to use, the only people he can use are imperfect people. But the beauty of it is that that's just a scribe. So then in the majority of the Bible texts that we have, the manuscripts that we have, is there verse 47 in there? Yes, there is. So what does that mean for the ESV? The ESV decided to use a few of those minority manuscripts, the ones that are missing verse 47, as they compile the Bible. Oh no, it's a horrible translation. Know this. There is no perfect translation of the Bible. There is none. Every time you translate, something will get lost or modified in translation. And in this case, in verse 47, a whole verse was omitted in one English version of the Bible. Now, the thankfulness again is, oh, what do I need to do? All you need to do is just in the side margin of your Bible, put verse 47. And if you want, write it out by hand. It's not the end of the world. But I just wanted you to understand that some of you may not have noticed that, but some of you just may have been like, I'm going to return my Bible because it's missing a verse. Like it just jumps from 46 to 48. Now, keeping these two verses up here, if we can go to what these verses actually say, there's something I want you to notice about Jesus's mother and his brothers. Where were they? Look at verse 46. They stood outside 
seeking to speak with him. Okay, so the idea here is that he's inside someplace speaking and they're standing outside wanting to speak with him. Okay, the next verse, verse 47, and one said to him, somebody then was told by either Mary or one of his brothers, hey, go inside and please tell Jesus that we want to talk to him. Because somebody comes into Jesus, (coughs) interrupts his teaching and says, look, your mother and brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. So clearly the person that brought the message was able to get from outside to inside. But Jesus's mother and brothers chose not to come inside. And so you look at this and this can get lost in a very quick read or you know, just kind of just go through it and you're just like, well, what's the point here? Hold on. Have you ever had a uh, family do something embarrassing and you didn't want to be anywhere physically close to them? You might have even done like the... And you just start to walk away. Mary and Jesus' brothers don't want to go in. There's something about what Jesus is doing and speaking about that is causing them to not want to be so closely associated with him. So they send somebody to give the message. We've all done this, okay. Wait a second. What is going on here? It would seem that they thought that Jesus speaking to them about something was more important than what he was talking about to the people. And or, here's another thing for you to consider, that they themselves hadn't reached the point where they believed that Jesus is the King of Kings. No, that doesn't make any sense because, you know, Mary was told by Gabriel. That's true. Mary gave birth to Jesus. That is also true. But just because you're the mother of Jesus doesn't mean you suddenly are automatically a believer of Jesus. Every person has to make the choice to believe in Jesus. Even his mother and his brothers, or technically half-brothers. The uh, Roman Catholic faith will tell you this. They will tell you that that Mary was perpetually a virgin. She was a virgin when she gave birth to Jesus. And then for the rest of her life, she was perpetually a virgin. Unfortunately, the Bible would disagree with that because the Bible talks about Jesus having brothers and sisters. It's in the scriptures. The argument then that could be made, and I've heard this, is that, well, those are children from Joseph from a previous marriage that is not mentioned anywhere in scripture. And you may go, well, that could be a possibility. And I tell you, no, it cannot. And here's why. Because if Joseph had a son that was older than Jesus, then he would be the one that would be in the lineage and the very first chapter of Matthew as to who the king would be. Joseph didn't have any older... There wasn't... Jesus was not Joseph's son. Jesus was Joseph's adopted son. So there's times where if you know the Bible and you look at scripture, you can go, wait a second... That doesn't, what you're saying about God and what you're saying about Jesus doesn't quite line up. And what you're saying about Mary being perpetually a virgin, she wasn't perpetually a virgin. She had children. Her and Joseph had children together. And and it seems like more than at least two boys and at least two girls, because we have the plural of brothers and sisters. We know that he had more than two brothers because we actually have some names given in the Bible. Let me show you some verses here. Mark chapter six, verse three. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, and Judas, not the Judas Iscariot, and Simon. So right there, there's four brothers' names right there. So Jesus had four half-brothers right off the, off the bat. And then look, and are not his sisters here with us? 
and they took offense at him. So Jesus had half-brothers and half-sisters. In fact, in the Old Testament, it prophesies, it speaks prophetically of how the Messiah will not be understood by his own family. Which is why now we're looking at Matthew chapter 12, right? That's where I can make a statement like, I don't know that they were truly engaged in where he was and they believed that he was the Messiah. I think that's why they were standing outside. Here's Psalms. Uh, Psalm 69 verse 8. Uh, Psalm 69 verse 8 says, I have become a stranger to my brothers, an alien to my mother's sons. I'm like an alien. I'm like unknown. Like they don't understand me. So a prophetic psalm speaking of the Messiah and how he would be interacted with brothers that could be his, his actual brothers or that could be the nation of Israel that he would become a stranger to the nation of Israel but then when it comes to his actual family an alien to his family and then in verse uh, 9 of Psalm 69 the very next verse passion for your house has consumed me and the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me Jesus also speaking about how he would be insulted and misunderstood by people Jesus, uh, his half-brothers and sisters are mentioned in John, Acts, 1 Corinthians, Galatians. It's not, this is no like hidden secret. So they're standing outside. Jesus is teaching and they don't want to be associated with him. Some of you understand this feeling. You're in a family, but you, you feel so distant from your family. You almost wonder if you actually are related by blood. Because you're just like, how are we, how is this? Jesus had to deal with the hurt of his family not understanding him. And if you have been in a family where you're just like, I don't feel like I fit here. I don't feel like they get me. I don't feel like, how are we related? Jesus understands how you feel because he's felt it. In the Gospel of John, chapter 7, verse 3, 4, and 5. So his brothers said to him, because he's doing these things, he says he's the Messiah. His brothers don't believe him. His brothers said to him, leave here, go to Judea, that your disciples may see the works that you're doing. Go do signs down there, Jesus. Verse four, for no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. But if you do these things, show yourself to the world. They're mocking him. They're saying, come on, don't hide it. Tell everybody. And then verse five, just in case we were wondering, for not even his brothers believed in him. Keep this in mind. Every person must make the choice to put their faith in Jesus. That includes Mary. That includes his half-brothers, sisters. That includes everyone on the planet. Everyone has to make the choice. Nobody is automatically a Christian. You know, um, if you thought this was bad, that his brothers didn't even believe him, there was a time where they wanted to restrain him because they thought he was crazy. Who? His family. Now, if I told you, hey, families sometimes think other family members are crazy and have to restrain them. Some of you are going, oh, I've seen it. I've been that person. On both sides, right? Jesus understands what it's like to be on the side of the person that's attempting to be restrained because people think he's crazy. Mark chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. Then he went home and the crowd gathered again, crowd of people following him, so that they could not eat. In other words, people were so occupying their time that even Jesus and his disciples didn't have a moment to eat. Verse 21, Mark 3. And when his family, there's family, when his family heard it, they went out to seize him for they were saying he is out of his mind. Do you ever have family not understand you? 
Jesus understands what that feels like. He has gone through things in such a deep way by coming here and living amongst us that he can relate with you and what you're going through. He can. He can. I was a person that when I went to college and when I started going to church when I was college aged, my mom thought I was in a cult because I just loved the Lord in a way that she'd never seen me. It was such a dramatic change that my mom had to go from New York and come visit me in Arizona to make sure that I wasn't in a cult, that the doors weren't locked, that I was able to get out, that, you know, that I wasn't forced to come, that, you know, there wasn't something in the Kool-Aid, if you will, right? Some of you understand what that means. And so, um, that, whatever challenge I had to go through with that, let me just tell you, and any challenge you have to go with people not understanding how much you love Jesus, including your own blood family, know this, Jesus had it harder. How hard did Jesus have it? Jesus, his brothers didn't believe him until he resurrected from the dead. You talk about family being hard to convince. Jesus had to resurrect from the dead for them to believe that he was. And you know what the cool thing was? It wasn't like Jesus after he resurrected, he's like, told you so, I told you. You know what he did? From the cross, he made sure that his mom was taken care of. He told John, the disciple John, this is your mother. Mother, this is your son. Jesus loves his mom. Let's never confuse that. And let's never take any passage that we think, oh, he's offending his mom. He absolutely does not. From the cross and excruciating pain, he took care of his mom. And then after he resurrected, you know what he did? It says that he went to his brothers. He made a special point to go to them. And it wasn't, I told you so. It was, hey, do you believe? Wow. Jesus is that gracious. He gives people opportunities. He gives his family opportunities. Do you give your family opportunities? You're cutting them off. Have they hurt you so much that you're like, I'm done with them? Because I've got to tell you that if that's the case, you don't stand where God stands because God's not done with them. And if you resemble your father in heaven, I've got to tell you, you can't be done with them either. Here's another statement. God's not going to let you be done with them. Sorry. You can say you have no feeling towards them, but this is what I've noticed, that the opposite of Love is not hate. It's apathy. So if family still gets you riled up, guess what? There's something there. The reason they they work you up so much, you know why? It's because you love them. Because you want things to be right. You want things to work well. You want relationships to be there. That's why you get so frustrated with family. It's because you truly want it to be right. And that's not a bad thing. You should not pray though that your heart becomes so cold that you don't feel anymore towards your family because that is not where God's at. And God will never stand in that place. And so I just want to encourage you, if you've closed the door on your family because they've hurt you so much or they've just done something for you where you just go, that's it, that's it. I just need to ask you to remind yourself of what you've done against Christ and how much he's forgiven you of and how he left the door open for you even today. If we call ourselves a Christian, we have absolutely no ground to not forgive people, especially family. You know, for Mary, speaking of family, Mary was more blessed for believing upon Jesus than she was for giving birth to him. 
I mean, yes, you know, it's an honor to have given birth to Jesus and, and the, and, you know, Mary is absolutely should be, she's a blessed woman and she's absolutely honored because by God, because she was the one who, who gave birth to Jesus. But Mary's not to be worshiped. Mary is not one to be prayed to. Hebrews is really clear. There's one mediator between God and man, and that is the man Christ Jesus, not Mary. So we're looking at all these things and now that we've kind of, we found the missing verse. <laughs> we talked about the family being outside. They appear to not be believing who Jesus is at this point. A little bit embarrassed, probably. We now need to talk a little bit about the second part of what Jesus was saying there. And if you're looking at Matthew chapter 12 and you're looking at the rest of it, Jesus takes this opportunity of being told that his mother and brothers are outside. He takes this opportunity to share a spiritual truth. Verse 48, he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, here are my mother and brothers for whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my mother, is my brother and sister and mother. It's interesting there. Do you notice that it doesn't say father? Because there's only one heavenly father. Well, I'm male. So that makes me brother, brother. Brother, brother. It's an interesting, you know, thing for us to be brothers and sisters of Christ. For us to actually be invited to be a part of his family. If you're a Christian, what happened when you ask Christ into your heart, you're saved. Your salvation is eternally secured. But not only that, you know what? You're now part of this amazing family. Oh, an amazing trouble-free family? No, no, not trouble-free at all. It's the family that you're stuck with. Can I get another family? No, it doesn't work that way. I really think there's people that believe, like, you know, my earthly family's messed up, so I'm going to go get another family. It doesn't work that way. Your parents are still your parents. You can say they're not all you want. They're still your parents. But they didn't treat me right and they weren't the they didn't play that role you know what no argument there if that's your case then that, i'm not here to argue that point but here's a concept for you what if god placed you in the family that you're in so that you could minister to them what if the reason that you're in your messed up family is because god wants to use you to give them a vision of hope and truth that they don't have god doesn't make mistakes with when he puts families together, my wife, we were talking this morning and my wife said, she thinks she shared it at uh, Thursday ladies group, but family are those people that we wouldn't have chosen. If I could pick my ideal family, if you could have picked your ideal family, would you have picked the people that are in your family? And now if things are going well, you'd be like, yeah, absolutely. Let's ask you that question again when things are a little bit more tense, shall we say. Man, I wish I had another family. I wish I had some different people that understand me. Listen, family is family. And I just really believe that in our society, especially here in America, we have this idea that, you know what, I'm just going to reinvent myself and forget my family. I'm going to jettison them and just chuck them off overboard. And I'm just going to start anew. God won't let you. He will not let you. Because if he did, then he'd have to start with somebody. You know who he'd have to start with? You. He'd have to jettison you first for all the things that you've done against him. He'd have to do that with me first for all the things that I've done against him before I could do it with anybody else. I understand that family can be so challenging, but God gives us hope. Some of you came into this morning's message when it comes to 
family, and maybe you could agree with this, this quote from George Burns, a comedian, he passed away, um, but here's his quote. His quote was this, happiness is having a large, loving, caring, close-knit family in another city, <laughs> right? I want an amazingly huge, tight, close family that's not right next to me, please. You know, it doesn't work that way, guys. Family gets close. Family, I wish they weren't in my business. It's called family for a reason. That's what family does. Family gives you their unsolicited opinion. That's what family does. Family doesn't sugarcoat things. They just say it bluntly. Or they go the exact opposite way and they can never say anything clearly at all. So you're always like, what do you exactly mean? You're like, can somebody please give me the happy medium family? You tell me when you find that one because I haven't seen it yet. And you know why I haven't seen this perfect family? Here's why. Because I'm a part of a family and because you're a part of the family. That's why you don't see a perfect family. You're part of the problem and so am I. Yeah, but these other ones really annoy me a lot more than I annoy myself. Yeah, well, listen. You know, you start a family, you have these great dreams of life and, and what it'll be like. I want to show you using um, a rope as an illustration. Maybe as a husband and wife, you know, this young couple, starry-eyed, googly-eyed, all that stuff. They love each other. They want to get married. And so they think about their life in the future looking like this. And it's like this rope. Yeah, it's going to be perfect. You know, we're married and I've got this rope and there's going to be kids maybe in the future and we'll all intertwine. and It'll just be this beautiful, harmonious, Pinterest-worthy picture of life. And then the years go on and this is what it actually looks like as the years go on. And you're just like, ah, it doesn't match, it's frayed, things are worn, there's a knot here, everything's in knots. Right? It's family. Welcome to family. This is both the earthly family that you were born in, but I think you realize as Jesus is saying is, hey, your church family spiritual family oh my church family is where everything's awesome and perfect and my earthly family is where it's crazy that just means you haven't been around your church family long enough when you're around church family long enough guess what it starts to look like a family and that person totally annoys me welcome (laughs) we're glad to have you welcome to the family okay do you that person just like gives their opinion and i didn't even ask for it welcome to the family if you think you're going to find a church that doesn't look like family, you may, but then it's not a family. There's no such thing as a sanitized family where everything just looks all perfect. It's okay because, you know what, sometimes it looks like this. But I know someone that can make something beautiful out of very little. <laughs> There's this um, rope artist. His name is Mark uh, Tresimer. He uses discarded climbing rope. And... Look what happens with the things that get discarded, the things that are thrown away, the things that are in different colors and mismatched and different lengths. You see, what God wants to do in your family is a work that only he can do. You can't do it. He can do it. But we got to get the priorities right here. He has to have first place again in our life. And I hope you haven't given up hope on your family. I hope you haven't left yourself at the last picture and just been like, ah, because this is the picture that God wants you to understand. Is it going to be perfect? No, it's not perfect. But man, is it amazing. 
You know, family is an, is an amazing thing because you will not experience such challenging moments as come in families. Family can speak to you in ways that no other person on the street would ever dare speak with you and get away with. But family, man, they can just come out and just say stuff. Children can sit there and talk to their parents in such a way where just like, if anybody else your age said what you just said to me, it'd be over for them. But I'm going to have to put up with you. I really believe that's why some people, you know, they really enjoy pets over children. (laughs) Hear me out. Hear me out. I am a pet owner. Your dog will be just happy to see you. Feed me. Just feed me. Our rabbits have never talked back to me once. Never once. They'll stamp their feet every once and again. More kale, human. More kale. But, you know, other than that, like, I think people, some people, some people, they're like, you know, I just like pets more than people, more than children, is because here's the thing, your pets will never grow up until you're a jerk who doesn't know what you're talking about and that they hate your guts. But your kids might. For some of you, you know what that is because your kids have. I think some people enjoy pets more than people because they don't... It's messy. It's messy. This little creature here, I can just... It's easy. It's easy. That's not the family God's talking about. Family is messy, but God is the one that works in families. You know, with a church family... I knew I'd run out of time. It's all right. Here we go. We're going to put it in another gear right here. You and I are called to forgive. You and I are called to forgive. You know, the thing that the bond that will hold family together is forgiveness. If you don't forgive, Jesus has already said this in Matthew. In multiple places in Matthew, Jesus has said that um, if you do not forgive, your Father in heaven will not forgive you. I mean, it's, not, it's, it's pretty clear cut. If you're sitting holding unforgiveness, you're holding this forgiveness back, you have unforgiveness against somebody else in your family, guess what? You're hindering the forgiveness of God in your own life. You are hurting yourself. Yeah, but I want them to, to feel what they did to me. I want them to... I think you, you forget all that you have done against God. I think you forget that what you have done against God is not even on the same level as what any other person has ever done to you. I have sinned against God in ways that are on a totally different scale than anything any other human being has ever done to me, including my own family, my earthly family and church family. Which means if God, who I have sinned grievously against, can forgive a sinner like me and still allow me to be a part of his family, then I have zero grounds to not forgive someone else, anyone else, including family. I think unforgiveness, like I showed you that family picture, my family, right? Unforgiveness. And the thing is, the sad thing, some of those people in that picture, they're dead. And they went to the grave still angry. You did this thing back when we were 20. You're 60. Grow up and forgive. You are a prisoner. You've been a prisoner for four decades because of your unforgiveness. You've poisoned your own waters and the waters of the people around you because you will not forgive. 
Forgive so that you may be forgiven. I so encourage you. It brings this freedom. You're free. Well, what if they don't change? Here's the cool thing. You can forgive somebody and it's not about whether they'll change or not. You're choosing to not bring up what they've done against you in the past as ammunition into the present. And you know the person who's free? You are. You are. They may, here's the thing. They may not change. But they don't get to control you. You can choose for yourself whether you will forgive. Never say you can't forgive. If you ever find yourself catching yourself saying or thinking that, make sure you change the word can't to will not because that's the truth. It's not that you can't forgive. It's that you will not. You hold it back. You're choosing to not forgive. So Jesus said, you know who are my brothers and sisters and my mother? He says, it's those that do the word, that do the will of God. Those that follow the word of God. It is such an encouragement for you to know the word of God, for me to know the word of God, because as we know the word of God and we do what God says, it just proves that we're part of the family. We love him. We don't just say we're Christians by name. We actually do what God told us to do. Over and over in the scriptures, Jesus says that. And so I want to say this about church family. I don't know how long you've been here in this fellowship, but I just want to encourage you with church family. Church family is a family that God has chosen for you. I honestly would not have picked you guys. No offense to you, I didn't know you guys. I lived on the other, I lived in Arizona. I wouldn't have picked you guys. I wouldn't have made a point to go, I'm going to come up to Arcata, California so that I could, and my family, we can associate ourselves with a whole group of people that the more we get to know them, man, are they different <laughs> and amazing. I'm, oh, both of those words go. I'm not taking any of those words away. Both are true, right? I would maybe have wanted a more sanitized version and a thing that I thought I would have figured this is what I like. Therefore, these are the people that I, I wish I could make my own church. Here's the thing about it. Truly, if you come into a church family, God is the one who's picked your church family for you because he knows what you need. You need that person that speaks their mind into your life. And you're just like, ah, I'm a bit offended by that. That's okay. You'll grow. You need it. It's good for you. Well, I, I didn't ask for their opinion. That's okay. That's how God feels. And he decided to speak through them. It's all right. It's okay. Ah, and I just want to encourage you if you try to get rid of people in your life that God's put in your life he'll just bring other people in your life just like them just like them he won't stop he'll outlast you so how about this how about you embrace the church family that God has provided for you how about you embrace the family that you're stuck with and by stuck with I know stuck can make it sound like ah, oh, but it's just this idea that when you stop trying to fight getting away and you just start to go listen what can I do to improve the family that I'm already in then all of a sudden your whole mission changes. Then you're just not like, oh, that bothers me. You just go, wait, what's, what, what is the purpose of that person in my life? Like, I think you're trying to tell me something. Oh, I get it. God, how can I be a blessing to other people? Instead of me sitting here waiting for people to bless me, how can I go bless others in my family? That applies to your earthly family, but that also applies to a church family. If you'd look in your bulletin, you would see things like, you know, there's five Bible studies now, as of this week, there's five Bible studies going on other than this morning's study. There's Tuesday study, there's College 25 study on Tuesday evening, there's a midweek Bible study, hot dogs this week, um, there's men's Bible study on Thursday, there's women's Bible study on Thursday. Why does this church have so many Bible studies? It gives opportunities for people to have discussion. This is not a discussion format, but Pastor Joe's study on Tuesday is kind of a half and half of this in a discussion. 
And then if you want like the full-blown discussion, come to men's Bible study on Thursdays or women's Bible study on Thursdays. And that's around the table discussion, what's going on. Why do we allow these things? So that you can get to know your family better. These are the people you're going to spend eternity with. These are the people that God has brought into your life so that you can serve God with and bless other people. Shouldn't you know the people that are in your family? Two prayer meetings. Men Tuesday, ladies Thursday. Hot dogs on Wednesday. You may go, I don't like hot dogs. Just please hear me out. That's not the point. Do you get it? It's not about the hot dogs. It's never been about the hot dogs. It will never be about the hot dogs. I'm not, I'm not against hot dogs. Just wrap them with bacon, that'd be great. But, the, you know, and, and, and like any potluck, it's not about the food. The food will come and go and you will be hungry again. But those relationships that you develop, those last not just through this life, but relationships and friendships between believers last forever. They are friendships that never end. Shouldn't you know the people in your family? This afternoon, two o'clock, care home. There's people that are part of your family there. You just don't know them yet. Serve them, love them. Men, I didn't make a, a huge announcement about this, but yes, this is, I won't announce the men's conference next week. Why? Because it'll be over by next week. Seriously, if you're a guy that's like, yeah, I've been thinking about the men's conference. You have no reason, like legitimate reason why you can't go to the men's conference. Why are you not going? Why do you look for excuses of why you can isolate yourself? Why do you pass up opportunities to grow and make friends and know your family? Why? If you have a legitimate reason, that's fine. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm just asking though, why? Ladies, there's a ladies, con- there's a ladies retreat coming up at the end of March. If you don't have a reason not to go, why wouldn't you not go? Why would you go, you know what? No, I'm going to ease into this. Oh, you've got extra years of your life to just not, I mean, I'm sorry. How are you budgeting your life? Why would you not jump in to others that love Jesus as well and go, hey, let's live life together so that you could realize you're some of my best. You're not just family. You're like some of my best friends. I can say that about you. It's not just family. Like, you're some of my best friends. God knew what I needed. And God provided it. In all the years that, um, that I've had a chance to be at church, I, I've been to three churches since I've come to know the Lord. And I made a commitment to know the Lord in college. I've attended two churches. In the last 22 years of my life, I've attended two churches. This is one of them for the last eight years. And then there's one before that. The church I got saved in, the church in my college town, God spoke to my heart and told me not to leave. The church where I met my wife and our four kids were born, where I realized that God had called me into the ministry. When I see them again this summer or sometime we go back to Arizona, I don't lose family. It's not, that's a beautiful thing about Christians and Christian family. If you travel someplace else, I haven't lost them. Oh, well, you've gone to Arcata, so you've lost your family in Arizona. No, we show up there. It's like, hey, how's it going? What's going on? 
And I want to encourage you to stay with church family. And I want you to know this. Church family will get challenging. Not might get challenging. Here's a great promo for Telios Christian Fellowship. Come here because you'll get challenged. Absolutely. Will it be peaceful? Oh no, you'll want to pull your hair out at times. Yep, absolutely. Come to Telios Christian Fellowship because you'll get absolutely frustrated from time to time. You'll be challenged and angry. Welcome to the family. If you're trying to find a place where none of those things exist, family doesn't live there. Family doesn't live there. And you won't grow there. I was looking through some photos last night and it went late into last night because I just started to look and I just started to get like teary-eyed because I was going, God, thank you that you gave me so many opportunities in one place. I want to show you this picture from a kid's camp that God got to use me ministering with kids way back in the day and like, you know, I think I was playing the congas back there, but like this was a, a first through fifth grade or first through sixth grade kids camp and with a bunch of leaders that I wouldn't have picked them either, but God put us together and we worked amazing as a team. And for these kids here in this kids camp, I remember um, uh, there's um, this picture of a young man. His name is Casey. He was at this kid's camp. He was actually sitting in the back of this kid's camp. So all that stuff was happening up front. He's sitting in the back. Casey is this kid right here. He's got the sweatshirt on and he's kind of kicking back. Him and a couple of his uh, friends next to him there. Now that kid right there is sleeping for sure. You see that one right there in the middle? He's like, that's all right. It's all right. Last day of camp. He's a bit tired. It happens, right? But the, you know, the thing is that these older boys that are sitting back there, those are junior high kids. They were high school kids. Casey's right about 14, maybe 15 at this point. Casey just gave his life to the Lord in high school ministry. So Casey's there, and I remember taking that picture. I went to the back and took that picture of them. I want to show you a picture of Casey today. Pastor Casey Fritz, teaching pastor at the Collective Church in Las Vegas, not Las Vegas, Los Angeles. Casey, in his description here, Planning a church is something Casey has wanted to do since he came to know Jesus as Savior at 14 years of age. How old? That old. Casey got his start in ministry as a teenager, has a wide range of ministry experience from children to college and as a teaching pastor. If you stick in a church long enough, you get to see that become that. You get to see this fulfillment happen that that the person that hops and skips and jumps for no good reason will never see. Never see. And they will question, well, does God really work? No one has to ever convince me that God works in the lives of people because I've seen it in my short life. I have seen it happen. You know, in a family too, there will be moments where things are challenging and moments where you just draw together. I want to show you a picture of junior high ministry. This is a picture, yeah, junior high group. And this is just a particular year. Dawn isn't in this particular photo, but... Her and I served together in junior high ministry with some leaders in the back and a bunch of kids. There's one kid right here in the beginning. The thing is, if you know, if you get to know people in a family, here's what I guarantee you. You're going to have some heavy moments because family doesn't isolate you or insulate you from the pain that happens in life. For this young boy right there, right in the middle, his name is Andrew. And I think we have another picture of Andrew, the very first one here of Andrew. There's Andrew with a bunch of leaders there uh, in the junior high ministry. And there's Andrew off to the side. And just a few years back, because if you stick in the same church, 
for years and years and years and you, you commit to a church family, you get to walk with people through the greatest joys. You get to be at some of the weddings of some of the kids that were in your kids' ministry. You get to officiate them. You get to be there. You get to meet their children and you go, I knew your parents when they were your age. I'm just like, dude, how old am I right now? <laughs> but for Andrew... I'm so blessed for him to have been in the junior high ministry and for my wife and I to know him and so many people to know him because just a few years ago, here's another picture of Andrew. Andrew was one of the 19 hotshot firefighters that died in 2013. And so when we, were, we happened to travel to Prescott just two days earlier, we heard there was a fire that happened right in town and then we got word. And it's like, Andrew, Andrew? I know where Andrew's at though. I know Andrew loved the Lord. Listen, family doesn't insulate you from pain or challenges. But the question is, are you just going to run? Are you going to just keep hop, skipping and jumping? Is that going to be your Christian walk? Because you will not grow. Church, I so encourage you. Know that challenges are up ahead and make the, make the decision today that you are not going to bail when challenges show up, but rather that you will commit to love people that you'll commit to love your family. That includes your earthly family. That includes your church family. Worship team, we're not going to sing a closing song because I have gone way long, but let's bow our heads and let's just pray. Papa, I pray that you would take the volume of words and I pray that you would distill it to what we needed to know this morning. I pray that you would convict us where we need to be convicted absolutely bust us for incorrect attitude and behavior. Encourage us when what we're doing is right. God, encourage us when we're afraid to reach out and get to know people because we're afraid to get hurt because we remember what that felt like in the past and we just don't want it to happen again. God, I pray you'd remind us that we'll never grow if we never reach out to others. I pray, Lord, for those that have, they're trying to convince themselves that they're apathetic towards their family but really they're just, they're just really hurt. I pray God that there'd be a level of honesty between them and you and God that they would forgive and that they would ask you Lord to heal their heart as they forgive those who have wronged them in the same way Jesus you forgave us. God I pray that in the years to come you would draw us together as a small part of the body of Christ here that you draw us together and that we would love each other deeper than we even love each other today. And God, that we would be known as a fellowship that just loves folks that when they come in, they just go, man, it feels like a weird family in here. And we just go, you got it. Jesus, thank you for drawing us together. In your name we pray, amen.